Abraham is an interesting example for us because all of these years, God has promised him this child. The child of the promise, who was Isaac. At one point, Sarah, Abraham's wife, gave her handmaid, Hagar, to Abraham to have sex so that they could perhaps produce an heir through Hagar. But God made it very clear to Abraham that the child of the promise was not Ishmael, who was born of the maid to Sarah. The child of the promise was Isaac, who would come through Sarah. We've seen this several times in the Old Testament. The love of Jacob's life was Rachel. He was tricked into marrying Leah, her eldest sister, and then he got to marry Rachel. Then he had children by Leah's handmaidens and by other women, and he had the children that made up the 12 tribes of Israel. Jacob was renamed Israel, and he had 12 children, and those were the children of Israel. But not all of the children of Israel were of the promise. There's one of those 12 children that stood out, and that was Joseph, who was the son of Rachel, the great love of Jacob's life. One of the sons of Joseph was Judah. Jesus came through the tribe of Judah. But the child of the promise in the case of these 12, that child of the election of God, was Joseph. It's very interesting when you see these people rise up who say they are Christians or people who rise up in the ministry. Which ones are really of God? You can't just assume that everyone who comes to you and says he's a Christian is a Christian. By their fruit you will know them. What fruit do they produce? I knew Pam Paget had the Holy Spirit of God. How did I know that? When we started the blog in the year 2012, I thought of Pam Paget just as soon as I saw to start a blog. Now, why did I think of Pam Paget? Well, logically, she had worked at FedEx as a computer programmer. But I believe there was more to it than that. I suspect God was behind my thinking of Pam. As soon as I asked her to set up the blog... I began seeing the fruits of the Spirit of God. Why? How? Well, Pam told me this. She said, well, I don't know anything about blogs, but I can probably do it. And then later she told me, she said, I just had the idea that I needed to find something simple and go the, a simple route. That's God. That was God leading her. 
I knew it was. And when Pam would run into a problem, she didn't turn to me and ask me what to do with the problem, usually. Usually she didn't do that. She didn't even tell me about the problem, usually. She turned to God and prayed, and he showed her what to do. And then afterward, she would frequently mention that, oh, I had a problem with this, and here's and I turned to God, and he told me to do this. That's the Holy Spirit. That's evidence. I knew she had the Holy Spirit. Another woman in our church group was just the opposite. No matter how simple the situation was, she couldn't even do it in real life. When I was injured one time, uh, one of the healthcare workers had brought me uh, some kind of a donut or something like that for breakfast. And I asked this woman, would she please get some of those for me? She couldn't even do that. She called me and said, well, I don't know how to, I don't know, is this, but you know, it's just trouble, trouble. Several times I told her that I didn't know if she was born again. I really didn't have any evidence that she was born again. She'd gone to church all of her life. I guess she was baptized in water, but that doesn't make you born again. I was baptized in water, and I wasn't born again the first time. The second time I was baptized in water, I heard from the Holy Spirit to be baptized. The first time, I just didn't want to go to hell, and that's what they were saying at this church. At least that's what I heard them saying. So you see, the evidence, the evidence of hearing from God is important. The evidence of something in your life which shows me you are of God. Because Jesus said in the last days, many would come in his name and they would say he is the Christ and they would deceive many. So I know this is a major sign of the last days. Counterfeit Christians, they don't mean to deceive us. They think they are Christians. I thought I was a Christian when I was 15 years old and went forward and was baptized in water at Church of Christ. I thought I was a Christian. My life did not change one bit. I just went right on with my life. It wasn't that I was thinking about pleasing God or anything. Until I was born again when I was 37 by God saying to me, Joan, you know these mistakes you've been making all these years? Those weren't mistakes. Those were sins. And I said, oh, sins. I thought they were mistakes. And with that, I was changed completely. I was so different that sometimes I would answer someone and I would think, who said that? It was so different from the way I was before I was born again. That is real change. And when we are born again, we are changed by God. It's not that we learn and improve. We're changed instantly by God when we are born again. Well, so many people have changed themselves by saying, oh, I've got to love somebody. So love is one of the things I've got to do. So they set about in a fleshly way to copy someone that they think loves. And we've got all these what's called mockers in the church. Jude said that in the last times there would be mockers. 
That's people who copy other people. They don't have the Spirit of God. It's not God showing them to do something. They are copying other people that they think are religious. We've got so many interesting examples of that in the Old Testament. Jacob and Esau. That is such an interesting story. In Romans chapter 9, Paul says, the, young, the elder would serve the younger. Esau was the elder of the two. But the child of the promise, in that case, the child of the elect, was not Esau. It was Jacob. And Paul even says that Jacob God loved, but Esau God hated. That's in Romans 9. Paul is speaking about the election of God. Well, there's one point in the story where Esau marries a daughter of Heth. And she grieved Isaac and his wife. They were grieved, Rebecca. They were grieved over the wife of Esau. So they didn't want Jacob to marry a daughter of Canaan. And they sent him out deliberately to go to the children of Rebekah's family. At Genesis 27, Isaac had two sons, Jacob and Esau. Esau was the elder, Jacob was the younger. But Jacob was the child of God. And Esau had married this woman. And in, in Genesis 27, it's verse 46, the last verse of Genesis 27. And Rebekah said to Isaac, her husband, I am weary of my life because of the daughters of Heth. If Jacob take a wife of the daughters of Heth, such as these which are of the daughters of the land, what good shall my life do to me? Esau had married one of the daughters of Heth, and it was just driving Rebekah crazy. And she did not want Jacob to marry a daughter of Heth. Now, in the next chapter, look at this. Genesis 28, verse 1. And Isaac called Jacob, and blessed him, and charged him, and said unto him, Thou shalt not take a wife of the daughters of Canaan. Arise, go thee to Pandamaram, to the house of Bethuel, thy mother's father, and take thee a wife from thence of the daughters of Laban, thy mother's brother. And God Almighty bless thee, and make thee fruitful, and multiply thee, that thou mayest be a multitude of people and give thee the blessing of Abraham to thee, and to thy seed with thee, that thou mayest inherit the land wherein thou art a stranger, and God gave to Abraham. And Isaac sent away Jacob, and he went unto Laban the son of Bethuel, the Syrian, the brother of Rebekah, Jacob and Esau's mother. Now, look what Esau did. He overheard this. He knew Jacob had left because his mother was sick of these daughters of Heth that he had married. 
So he decides that he will go out and get a wife that they will like. And who does he go to? See, he's copying Jacob. They always get it wrong. Those people who try to copy people of God always get it off a little bit. It's like a radio station that just isn't completely tuned in. They try to do the same thing you do, but they're always a little off because they don't have the Spirit of God. They are trying to copy people of God. Look at this verse 6 of this chapter, Genesis 28, verse 6. When Esau saw that Isaac had blessed Jacob and sent him away to take him a wife from his mother's family, and that he blessed him, he gave him a charge, saying, Thou shalt not take a wife of the daughters of Canaan, and that Jacob obeyed his father and his mother. Look at verse 8. Esau, seeing that the daughters of Canaan pleased not Isaac, his father, then went Esau unto Ishmael. (laughs) He's going to marry one of the daughters of, a granddaughter of Abraham, thinking that will please them. But he went to Ishmael. The child of the promise was Isaac. He went to Ishmael to get a wife. There is no way he's going to be pleased with the daughter of Ishmael that Isaac is. He's the child of the promise. That's just like us today. Those who are copying God are always trying to please us. They're not trying to please God. They're trying to please me. We had a woman like that in our church group. I mean, she troubled me for 39 years. And she was such a nice person. And every time she spoke almost, I was troubled and grieved. And I felt so guilty. Some of you have gone through that same story. They're so nice. And yet you don't like them. Why? You don't like what they're saying. You know it's wrong. You know the way they're going is wrong. You know these things are wrong. And you feel guilty. Because they are so nice. That's the story of Esau. So Esau went to Ishmael and took unto the wives which he had, the daughter of Ishmael, Abraham's son, to be his wife, thinking it would please his father and mother. The daughter of Ishmael. He didn't get it at all. He did not get the picture at all. Isaac was the son of the promise, but Esau wasn't. Even before they were born, even before Jacob and Esau were born, even before they had done anything, Paul tells us in Romans 9, in God's view, He loved Jacob and hated Esau. Even before the children were born. See, this shows the elect of God, the election of God. Paul said, now, some of you will say, then if there's an elect of God, it's all settled. How could God take offense at us? 
who aren't of him. And at that point, I believe Paul said something like, how dare you say that? How dare you judge God? Does he not have the right to choose whom he will for his children? You think that you go join the church, and they go join the church, and everybody joins the church of their own will. They've decided to receive Jesus. No, 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 no. It's God who chooses us. We don't choose him. Acts chapter 2. It's the last scripture in Acts chapter 2. And the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. Elect of God. Acts 2.47 And the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. Now once you are added to the church by God, there might be tests along the way. Here is the child of promise given to Abraham. Now he has Isaac. The child of the promise, Isaac. Genesis chapter 22. And it came to pass after these things that God did tempt Abraham and said unto him, Abram, and Abraham said, Behold, here I am. And he, God, said, Now look at what God said. Take now thy son, thine only son, Isaac, whom thou lovest, and get thee into the land of Moriah, and offer him there for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains, which I will tell thee of. Abram obeyed God. He took Isaac to the mountain that was specified by God, and Abram tied Isaac up and put him on top of the wood to offer him as a burnt offering, and Abraham took a knife in his hand to kill Isaac, as God had told him to do. And the angel of the Lord called unto Abraham out of heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And Abraham said, Here am I. And this angel said, which is the same as God speaking to Abraham, Lay not thine hand upon the lad, neither do thou anything unto him. For now I know that thou fearest God, seeing thou hast not withheld thy son, thine only son, from me. And the angel of the Lord called unto Abraham out of heaven the second time, and said, and this is God speaking through this angel, By myself I have sworn, saith the Lord, for because thou hast done this thing, and hast not withheld thy son, thine only son, that in blessing I will bless thee, and in multiplying I will multiply thy seed as the stars of the heaven, and as the sand which is upon the seashore, and thy seed 
shall possess the gate of his enemies. And in thy seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed, because thou hast obeyed my voice. Even to the point of killing Isaac. But Abraham reckoned something, and we're told that in Hebrews 11. Verse 17. By faith Abraham, when he was tried, offered up Isaac, and he that had received the promises offered up his only begotten son. Now once again, in the Bible, it's called his only begotten son, although he had Ishmael. This is referring this only begotten son of Abraham's. That's Isaac, the child of the promise. Of whom it was said that in Isaac shall thy seed be called. And here verse 19 tells the way Abraham thought about this when he was going to sacrifice Isaac, the child of the promise. Abraham was accounting that God was able to raise Isaac up, even from the dead, from whence also he received him in a figure. How? Because he he was dead a hundred years old. Sarah was dead ninety years old. Isaac came from two people who were already dead. And yet he was born living from two dead people. Therefore, God could raise him up from the dead, even if he had to kill Isaac. And so that's how Abraham reckoned it. That's the way he reasoned, and he was willing to kill Isaac. He would have killed Isaac had God not stopped him by use of that angel. Though Abraham waited 25 years for the birth of this son, this son of the promise, he was 75 years when he left his father's house. He was 99 years old when Isaac was conceived by Sarah, who was 90. He waited all those 25 years and yet upon the word of God that he believed was God he was willing to kill Isaac because he knew Isaac really came from the dead him and Sarah and God could raise him up from the dead it was a test it was a trial to see what Abraham would do And then God stopped him from killing Isaac. I encourage us, as we read the Old Testament, to take special notice of that word which God speaks. And that's what we take notice of in our own life, is that word which God speaks. Next, I'll be sharing words that God has spoken to me personally. And then after that, I'm going to share words with you that Pam Paget, that God has spoken to Pam Paget through the years. Because we need to see that as God spoke to Abraham, as God spoke to Moses, as God spoke to the prophets of the Old Testament, as God spoke to David, as God spoke to Paul, as God spoke 
to Peter and the other apostles of the Bible. God speaks to us today by His Spirit, by dreams, by visions, by angels. Same way, anything you can find written in the New Testament, any example in the New Testament where God has spoken through an angel or a vision, Nothing has happened since the resurrection of Jesus to change anything. Therefore, if God did it in the New Testament after the resurrection of Jesus, I know he can speak to us the same way today. And I have examples in my life of that. Mostly God speaks to us by his spirit who brings ideas to our mind. But we have dreams. I've often been warned in dreams and have changed my whole direction because of that dream. Often I've done that. In the next podcast, I'll relate some of these things to you that God has given me. But I want you to see that he's also given Pam Padgett the same type of direction in the sense of being directed by the Holy Spirit. If you aren't directed by God, by the Holy Spirit, or any of these things, and if all only thing you did was go forward at some altar or church and, so to speak, receive Jesus without being shown Jesus by God or called by God or given anything by God, you might not be born again. If you aren't changed by God, I would be willing to say you aren't born again. If you were... If you aren't a different type of person today as a result of something God has done, not what you did, what God did, then it will be very hard for me to believe that you're born again unless you report what God has done. Now, with some of you, you just don't report what God has done. I don't know why you don't report it. You see in the Bible they reported what God has done. I report everything to the church. I report everything that God has done in my life. I put it out there for you to see it. Not to prove I'm of God, but for you to see what God has done. Knowing that if you're of God, he'll report to you. He'll do the same thing to you. I mean, other than the calling, you may not... We have different callings. But, I mean, the same way, by the Holy Spirit. He'll speak to you by the Holy Spirit or by an angel or by whatever means he needs to speak to you, a dream. But he speaks to you. That's the point. You may not be telling it. I think you should be. It encourages other people. And in closing today, I'll read one scripture from Philemon. Philemon chapter, uh, verse 6, there's only one chapter. Verse 6, that the communication of thy faith may become effectual by the acknowledging of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. The communication of thy faith may become effectual By telling other people what God has done in you. By sharing it. Philemon, verse 6, that the communication of thy faith may become effectual 
by the acknowledging of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. Think about that. Your faith develops that way by telling what God has done. Not what you've done, what God has done. Now, after you tell what God has done, then you tell how you obeyed him. And that makes your faith more effectual. But it's that communicating of what has happened in your life that really makes your faith effectual. Thank you for allowing me to speak this with you today.